0: And takatak 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 nenak
1: And welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. Uh, how you doing, Jojo B? I'm
2: very well, thank you very much.
1: What's all this posh, posh-ass voice? <laughs> I don't know,
2: I'm drinking tea, it's made me very posh. Um, I'm having tea.
1: Is it Earl Grey?
2: No, it's not. It's Yorkshire tea. Okay.
1: It's Yorkshire. Common as muck.
2: Whatever. It's the best. Commoner. Um, if Yorkshire tea want to sponsor us, feel free. Or even better, if Rington's Tea wants to sponsor us, then feel free because I can't get Rington's Tea down here unless I get it delivered and it costs a fortune to get it delivered. What, what, what's it called? Rington's Tea.
1: Rington's?
2: Yeah, it's a Newcastle brand of tea and it's been going for many, many years, mm. like since the 20s, I think, or even earlier. And uh, they deliver, they hand, like they deliver to your door. What? As in like, so a rep from Rington's Tea, it's not through the post, a rep from Rington's Tea comes to your house and delivers you tea when you're in Newcastle. It's amazing. Uh, and they have online, obviously, as well, so I could get yeah, it has, delivered as here. Has the digital but, age actually um, yeah, transferred has, to oh, Newcastle? yeah, It's the, still the way it is. You can't get it in supermarkets or anything up there. It's just... It's just, and they have like selections of biscuits. And so, so they come to your door and they're like, would you like to buy any biscuits? It,
1: it's amazing. Do they have the pools with them for you the, uh, to do some betting and shit? Oh, oh my
2: God, the pools. We used to do the pools in our shop. People used to come in with I their, never with their paper pools. And then I used to have to like tot it all up and like kind of get like So we'd have all the money and give it to the pools people at the end of the day. I had to do that. And you had to try and figure out who was going to get a score draw. <laughs>
1: That's the thing. Like, my, <laughs> my dad used to do the pools. He knows fuck all about football. He was practically just handing over his money to the... Some people the just Betis. did
2: like the lottery, so they just pick numbers.
1: Whereas if yeah.
2: me, I used to go through what we used to call the pink. There's a paper called New, the pink in Newcastle where it like has all the, it's all the football stuff. Right. Go through that and try and like, you know, figure out...
1: Yeah, if, you, if you've got an understanding of football, then it kind of makes a lot of sense. But I, I, looking back at it now, my dad used to do the, the pool. And I just think, bruv, you've got... Fucking no clue about football or, or sport in general, apart from cricket.
2: There was a time before I just spat all over the mic.
1: <laughs> For fuck's sake.
2: <laughs> I'm like, eating if Who made as if burpee? Furniture... I made burpee myself. Chocolate
1: burpee. It's so good. Um, as if furniture's not covered by like baby food <laughs> and like formula milk and shit. You're just <laughs> contributing to that bullshit yourself. I
2: made chocolate buttery. It's really good. She um, did
1: make chocolate burpee. It's really nice. Uh, Rich as fuck though. My yeah, God.
2: Yeah, obviously. Um, there was a the time before the National Lottery. And that's when everyone did the pools.
1: Was it? Yeah, because
2: were... the lottery came out in the nineties. I remember because we got a lottery machine pools in our shop. is very
1: much an eighties thing, isn't it?
2: Right, we got a lottery machine in our shop, and um, before that, we used to do the sell a lot more of the pools. We still yeah. continued doing the pools afterwards, but now there was a decline. shop
1: decline. Yeah, same as like milk floats. When I think of pools, I think of milk floats. Yeah. Pools. People used to come round then to our make... house and give, uh, you know, and obviously give give the pool tickets for people to fill out and shit. Mm. And at the same time. The milk floats used to be a big I remember
2: tip. the days when, like, see, we had a shop, so this never used to happen, but it used to happen to my friends a lot because we used to just get our milk from our shop. But you used to have foil caps on top of the, the glass bottles. Yeah. And so, like, birds used to peck at the top. see so Yeah, yeah, if you left it out too long, birds would peck at the top and drink some of the milk. They would peck away at the top of the thing, so you couldn't leave it on your doorstep for too long. And in the winter, it would freeze. The milk would freeze if you left it on your doorstep for too long.
1: So, you know, you, know, you being this, like, ultra-hygiene person. Would you then still drink the milk even though, like, some of milk floats are making a, a, a comeback? Thing, but...
2: Getting milk delivered in glass Why don't you talk
1: bottles.
2: Over me again? Talk n- over me again. Shut up. <laughs> talk <laughs> over me one more time. Fuck off. You ask me a question. I'm trying to answer it.
1: Over the fucking question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> milk floats are co- making a comeback. And if you're environmentally conscious and you want to do it, you can get milk delivered mm. to you in glass bottles with foil tops.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Old school.
2: Yeah. Um, And they deliver it to your doorstep every morning. Mm hmm. And you know you can you can kind of get back on the old school because the old school was the best way of doing it. It was so good. We used to get all the empties back in our shop in the yeah, crates yeah, and we yeah, give yeah. it back to the milkman so and refill
1: that shit up. Yeah.
2: So we used to sell milk in our shop, so if people who weren't getting it delivered could just come to us and get it, and we'd have to. <laughs> The worst thing was of filling up the fridge with the milk and sometimes some of the bottles would leak. And so you'd just have like leaky milk at the bottom shelf of our fridge.
0: Yeah. And you'd have
2: to like on in the winter on the floor on your hands and knees trying to clean the butt- the back of the fridge with this oh, oh it was just one Jesus. it's one of my like worst memories of working in the shop. And Mum would be like, Right, that's your job.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like you know, like I said, like everything's making a comeback from the eighties. Yeah. You know, vinyls are back. Shell suits are back. Racism is back. Shell suits are back. Yeah, I've seen people wearing shell suits and shit. You know? Oh my god! Remember, so, you couldn't
2: lean against the radiator in school if
1: you were wearing yeah, a shell you'd suit. Just be on fire! You know. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, the Native Immigrants Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you also if you're listening in. Are we done? Huh? Is that it for this week? Well, obviously, we we like we're supposed to start off with an introduction, and then we just fucking chat shit for like the first. 20 minutes normally of a show. I thought I was so going to get to watch another
2: episode of One Tree Hill, which I'm currently re-watching. It, make, it makes me very glad that I'm not a teenager anymore. because these people.
1: I don't think anyone really cares. These Those
2: people, people have had babies and got married and they're all 17 and gone to jail and stuff. I was like, my 17-year-old life was not this dramatic.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a local council estate as well, to be fair. Um, but yeah, big <laughs> up. A lot of people I know that did all that stuff, actually. <laughs> big up everyone that's listening in also from Ruckus Avenue. Shouts to all my American peoples. Hi America. Yeah, hello America. How are things on that side? I was uh well, it's pretty much exactly the same as here, isn't it? Far right extreme.
2: I thought also economic. that San Francisco was on fire really close to my uncle's house the other yeah, day. Yeah,
1: bloody hell. That was really scary. Yeah. Concern for everyone in California, hope everyone's okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's crack on with the show. So, our last show, we received some great feedback from it, our Diwali special. Happy Diwali.
2: Happy Diwali, everyone. To everyone that
1: celebrated uh, in the last couple of weeks.
2: Hope your new year started well.
1: Yes. Uh, and sal Mubarak, Nutan Varaska Abhinandan, to all my Hindu yes. peoples. Yes, that.
2: That, exactly, exactly, yes.
1: You should be able to pronounce that. I'm able to pronounce all your Punjabi Saal stuff. sal Mubarak.
2: <laughs> Happy New Year.
1: All right, so um, shout out to everyone that sent us some great feedback. A uh, shout out to Mr. V, who said um, he totally agrees with us about the whole fireworks thing. So about fireworks?:
2: Yes. I saw some pictures of some poor little, like, people putting up videos on Twitter of their animals just shaking, oh, just man. shaking with fear.
1: We did and, mention it. We said, you know, it's going to be a horrific period for pets and animals during that, during that whole week.
2: There's an, a puppy that died. It was in the news. Yeah, it oh, died of a God. heart attack because of the, the fright.
1: Shame of- on you fireworks people
2: horrible but apparently classic fm did something called pet sounds where they put on like classical music that they knew would be soothing for animals and so a lot of people were playing it really loudly and then again putting up videos on twitter of how like although their pets had been shaking from fear because before this show started on classic fm because of all the fireworks going off that actually they had started to calm down and stuff because of the classical music sounds Which I thought was a brilliant idea. Well done, Classic FM.
1: Great. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, But we also read uh, some amazing comments recently on the Harrow Facebook forum group.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see just how petty the world is, Mm. just look at the microcosm of Harrow itself, right? And go on Harrow online, the group. Um, on Facebook their Facebook page and you can just see this is just like a a kind of small sample size of what the rest of the world is like yeah it's just full of pettiness and then Mm. every now and again you'll get someone with common sense going "Oh come on I just shut up like this is pathetic but generally it's like ridiculous and the fireworks thing got really ridiculous yeah. because it was just like oh these people they just come and they just do fireworks incessantly ugh, ugh. and and then and, and the majority of the people saying that were white obviously right and then you get a lot of kind of really it, it got nasty it got very nasty yeah yeah yeah. some of it and um everything nothing,
1: escalates very quickly on nothing the racist was online. said
2: right like let me just say but it's just people getting really pissed off but, but, well, just about the whole fireworks thing and not kind of uh, respecting their next door neighbours and stuff. But it did get very heated between the two people, between mm. the two groups of people. Mm. So the Asians were then coming back going, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do them and I don't really care. And it's my culture and you're being racist. And then nothing actually racist was being said. So then it was like, oh, you're calling it a race issue. Yeah.
0: Blah, blah, blah. I mean, there
2: were undertones, obviously. There always is, isn't there? But it was, it was nothing like was a set, was said overtly so you can't accuse someone of something saying something when it's not actually Yeah I hate
1: when Asians play the race card cuz it, it is no but sometimes it's It's it, not about playing, playing the is, race card though is
2: it I hate that term as well playing the race card but yeah, because but... it's just about acknowledging the fact that this time of year in general is terrible for animals and this is what the main complaint was is my dog scared my, sc- my cat is scared my kid's scared like bubs was scared you know he yeah, woke no, up crying
1: that, look, we spoke about this on our last show yeah. about fireworks and how we need to cut down the the fireworks happening door to door at every single house along the street and just stick to the organized displays yeah by the council in one ground one place make it all happen then and so it's less impactful for everyone. Yeah, Little because then you can and...
2: prepare. You know what time it's going to be. You can prepare yourself and your household. Yeah. So your pets and your kids or whatever are all safe and not going to be freaked out by the noise.
1: Yeah. No, that I, that I that I wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, but there is a level of double standards because uh, it's once fireworks night happens, bonfire night, Guy Fawkes night. Then it's all okay. Then it's all then it's all fine because that's the correct time to do fireworks. Well, to be
2: fair, there was bullshit. there was still some complaints, it was just a lot less.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. There was exactly. a lot less
2: complaints, and maybe it's just because the novelty's worn off by that point, or maybe it's because it is a race thing. Who knows, right? Or a cultural thing. But I just that I mean that group is just full of the worst people that you can think of. It can be I very think. toxic. Yeah, and I just think that. And there's some really good stuff on there, some lovely people on there who say lovely things or do lovely things like lost and found stuff. And, you know, that kind of thing where someone's lost a ring and they're like, can we find the owner? And, and yeah. then the owner's found. It. And that's really nice. as a nice story because it's always like this was my dead grandmother's ring from yeah, 300 yeah, years yeah. ago or whatever. And it's really lovely.
1: It's not been sold for crack. Yeah. Like some and it's just, the you know,
2: and it's like there's usually lots of nice stories on there. And also it's quite good for the news, which is why harrow news which is why i'm on there yeah you know especially when all the shootings and stuff are happening around us um but uh yeah it can be very toxic yeah and i think people just need to get a fucking grip
1: please come on people this, if you're some- on
2: some kind of neighborhood watch group just be respectful of each other
1: yeah exactly don't be
2: nasty and try and understand, like a lot of people were just like, enjoy the Wali, get involved in the Wali, eat the food, you know, <laughs> get to yeah. know your neighbours and that kind of thing. In any cultural or religious festival, maybe try and partake rather than complain and go, oh, these foreigners or, or anything like that. Mm. Just try and try and understand what's going on. Get to know your neighbours, use it as an excuse to get to know your neighbours. Yeah. Try and get an invites so they can feed you. Yeah. That's, that's... <laughs> that kind of thing, you know.
1: If you're lucky. We are the world. We are the people. Right. Um, <laughs> also, to Adadapadan, who uh, I haven't heard from him for such a long time. And then he gave some feedback on our show. And was like, "Adadapadan, pick up yourself. Was it good feedback? Because he just stopped listening because he hates us. Well, maybe. You must have done something to piss him off.
2: Why would you, I would always, have done anything? Because
1: he's, he's always messaging me to kind of like say, big up my brother. That's a great show. Loved it. Loved the bands. Loved everything. And then I haven't heard from anything from ages. And then I realized, is it because Jojo B's like back from her where did i go well you know, you had a big pregnancy last year and then you know there was a there was a like a medium paced jojo b but now we're at full throttle jojo b where i see people no I mean, it's
2: me medium pace because we started this just before i got pregnant mm. right so me- mostly like all our shows were while i was pregnant and feeling sick and nauseous and feeling awful and horrible and if you preferred me feeling like that get you pregnant again <laughs> or maybe just don't listen to <laughs> Or deal with the fact that I'm back to being normal and get to know the real me.
1: <laughs> this is the real joke. This is what I have to deal with day in, day out before. So please don't ever get me pregnant sympathy. again. I
2: love my baby more than life, right? But I have no intention of doing this again. <laughs>
1: um uh, yeah. Like and that's this is another um advice to everyone, use protection, people, you know? Don't say we don't give all the big tips and tips and tricks. I'm not show.
2: saying that because motherhood has put me off I'm saying that because if you ha- <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. already know I had an awful pregnancy listen back to our high premises episode yeah listen um, back
1: to our episode on our baby which is uh, one of the first few episodes of season 2
2: he's I mean I can't tell you just how much even when he's being irritating I just I laugh my head off he's amazing right and he's really fun now because he's nearly nearly a year old now but um, pregnancy was not for me
1: no no it certainly was not
2: and so don't get me pregnant again
1: <sighs> <laughs> um, shout out to uh, Mita Mystery as well, who uh, got nominated uh, for an Asian Media Award, and she listened to our show on the way to the awards.
2: Oh, what a way to prep!
1: Exactly, the best way, and it would have been the best good luck charm, except she didn't win. Unlucky Mita but, but it, was the nomination be, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, amazing to be nominated. Amazing to be nominated. You should have won it, obviously. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. But she was cracking up. At our DNA results. <laughs> As were a number of people. Yes. Uh, that messaged me to say how funny it was. Uh, yeah, it's funny when you're on the other side. And when it's not your money that's been spent. Exactly. <laughs> this hard earned cash that we handed over to Ancestry DNA that was basically just flushing it down the toilet. But since our last show. I mean, literally the next day. Yeah, it was the next day, to be fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, they could have timed it a bit better. I know. So we would have sounded like, you know, less irritated on the last show. There's been an update on our results. Yes, they have. So they did say to us, congratulations, guys. We have updated your results with new findings. So we were like, fuck. So they maybe may have pulled their finger out and actually got onto our results better and found a more accurate representation of where we're from. So, I yeah, like we've done the whole drum roll thing before. Yeah. We don't need to get, you know, too up close and personal with it. My updated results are, I'm 56% Central Asia South and 44% Northern and Western India. And what were yours, Jojo B?
2: Mine were 52% Central Asia South, mm. 45% Northern and Western India, and 3% Southern and Eastern India.
1: Southern India. Warnikum, V.
2: But also Eastern, which I think goes all the way up to like Burma or something.
1: Burma, <laughs> bloody hell. 3%.
2: 3%. So basically, still vague as fuck.
1: Yeah, it's still vague as I'm still from,
2: Vegas, from fuck. all of India. Yeah. Anywhere in India
1: basically is where I could be from. But Central Asia South is predominantly from Afghanistan and Pakistan. Okay. So half of us and our genetic makeup is from our Afghani and Pakistani population.
2: Yes, and if you look at, it gives you a bit of detail about the region and kind of the history of the region. And it says that that was also actually like a lot of where, um, like the Persian Empire and stuff, kind of was they had bases there and things. So we could we could be a mix of anything, basically. Still, it's still very very vague. Yeah. Um, because. When you look at those regions, although it sounds like, oh, that sounds more detailed. That actually, sounds really exotic. Those areas are still vast, vast areas. Yeah. Like when you look on the map and it says southern and eastern India, that's most of India. Yeah. That's oh. covered that. And so I'm 3% most of India. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like this is not information, so... Don't do it.
0: <laughs> don't
2: <laughs> no. do it. Yet. Yeah. When we get really detailed, we'll let you know because it lets you know when um, anything's been updated. Yeah. So when it gets really detailed, then we'll let you know, and that's when you should go and buy it. Yeah. Well, if, if
1: ever. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go with Ancestry DNA um, because we got a great message from Shalina Patel, who's a long-time listener of our show, and she was basically saying to us, "Happy Diwali," um, and she was listening to our Diwali episode and wanted to share her DNA info, as it was a bit more detailed than the one that we got. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, She wasn't surprised that she's 100% Indian, was actually surprised to find out she was more South Indian than North. And she did the Helix National Geographic DNA test, which tells you loads of cool information, such as your Neanderthal DNA. Uh, Hers was 1.4%, which is below the average of 2.1%, as well as what geniuses you share DNA with. And her maternal matches included... Queen Victoria and Richard the effing third. She's related to royalty, yes. That's interesting. That is nuts. So like, why didn't we do this one? So
2: she's related to the current royal family then? Because they're all like grandkids, great-grandkids of Queen Victoria.
1: But remember like when we were the whole who do you think you are thing when everyone's related to William the Conqueror? Yeah. And then it, then it like was... Danny Dyer. That Danny Dyer, yeah. And who's the guy from Pointless?
2: Alexander someone.
1: Is, is that no is that Alexander yeah, yeah Alexander yeah the presenter right yeah so he was also related to William the Conqueror mm-hmm. and then it was a thing where actually like most of Europe is like will find some kind of lineage that goes all the way back to William the Conqueror is that true yeah it was interesting a, it was a yeah it was an article about it so. no but
2: there was like real royal connections with Danny Dye like he could trace his family back yeah, further yeah, his... like, you know like for later generations yes. that actually had royal connections yes. so that was why it was interesting but um, okay but see, we didn't get any of this information in and nah, ours. Ah, so
1: we got the wrong one, fam.
2: But the Nat Geo one, because I looked into it after we got this message, it's actually stopped. It stopped in yeah, May. Yeah, you were saying, It was like yeah. it was part of a massive research project. See, now I would 100% have trusted Nat Geo to do this properly. Yeah. And I'm really upset that we didn't know about it or that we didn't do it earlier. Yeah. So <sighs> but hopefully you know. if one company can do it or one research project can do it, then another one can do it at some point yeah but do you know do you ever think about what they do with their dna like is this just some kind of like um weird way to sell it to the public so then they can just harvest all of our dna and then when this world is ending they're just going to take our dna to another world and create clones of us and so and like repopulate like mars or something you or one what- of the moons of saturn or jupiter
0: do you
1: ever find, like, when you when you look at things, that you look at things from the perspective of a psycho? No, it's like, a psycho. this is not psycho. This is someone to, like, who the no, darkest no. possible. Like, literally, it's, not dark. it's like
2: it's, if you watch the any sci-fi, you read sci-fi,
1: you take it to like the the darkest, darkest, darkest point. No. Not, there's so, no that like, positivity If you positivity watch or here. read like sci-fi,
2: if you watch or read sci-fi, you know that that shit is actually quite. Um, good at predicting the future so cloning and all this kind of stuff it's gonna happen because this population if it goes at the rate it's going in terms of consumption and killing the planet we're fucked right
1: yeah we. so we, there's
2: gonna be and you know that the thing about humans is that they want to survive like if this is thing that we have to at, at no at no matter what cost do so you tell me all those really dark kind of late 90s early two thousand sci-fis that we've watched There isn't some element of truth in there. Of course there
1: fucking is. Is there some truth in Mars Attacks?
2: Oh, fuck's sake. Don't pick the most (laughs) ridiculous one. But, you know, like some of it, like Minority Report, we were like, no, that's not going to happen. And we're
1: living in Minority Report now. Minority Report. I I totally agree with that. It's not
2: far off the thought police coming to get us soon. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that's going to happen. So we're not that far off from this other shit happening. Okay. Believe me. See, it's this is coming kind of to into, get you. This is like, this is turning into, and they've like got a, our DNA now. We're fucked. That's what? it. We're done.
1: I was about to say, this oh. is turning.
2: What?
1: there's No point. Cause just fucking just talk over me, isn't it? <laughs> what the fuck is the point of me being here? I might as well just ad lib everything you fucking say. We're just like, oh yeah, ah, oh. because that's all this fucking. <laughs> this, all this show's man. ever fucking you become. You always were my hype man. This is all this show's become. It's become. it's might as well just call this conspiracy theories with JoJo <laughs> B. <laughs> with special so, as, guest Adlibaj, Swami Barakas
2: As I said many times I grew up in a shop when I got really bored at quiet times in the shop and I'd read all of the like just 17s and stuff
1: The demons I, in our head just like, I would know I would read the conspiracy a, a mags
2: the UFO mags the conspiracy theory mags there was some interesting shit in there That's what I want to say You know what it is I think you I'm spend way saying.
1: too much time by yourself and when that happens that's when you start to talk to yourself and that's the first sign I've of always madness I to myself First sign of madness
2: well there you go you married a mad lady.
1: Well now now the whole world can hear it. And I'm I'm the one living it so people please.
2: I don't think I'm me. I'm that far out there with this. I I tell you there must be a reason why they want all our DNA.
1: There will be something. Well, maybe yeah, you know, clone army. And
2: it was just it was just something that I read like what are people doing with our DNA if they're collecting it? Like what's it for? Uh-huh. It can't just be like for the good of us to just let us know what we where we come from because we many people lived without that for a very long time and no one cared so interesting
1: well either way it's your fault you were the one who signed us up for this shit so I know. you have now I assigned know. us to imminent death obviously um interesting article first of all fuck the Daily Mail 100% but also they had a recent article where Claims Direct gathered data from over 450,000 food businesses from across the UK Mm -hmm. to highlight the average hygiene rating (laughs) in each postcode area.
0: I'm
2: obsessed with hygiene rating so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so this article was right up your alley. Yes, it was. And uh, it's particularly bad news for Londoners. I could have told you that. As the nine postcodes with the worst food hygiene ratings are all in the capital, with the worst postcode in the whole of the UK is Southall in West London.
2: I was going to do that.
1: With the worst average of the whole country, just 3.89 stars out of five. Southall, my
0: mm-hmm.
1: hometown mm-hmm. where I was born and raised.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What the fuck? It doesn't surprise me. Why doesn't it surprise you, Jojo B? Because,
2: because I look on the door. Racist. No, because I look racist. on
1: the door. You, Asians live in Southall no. and that's the reason Asians don't have hygiene and all the restaurants are dirty because they're all Indians and all Asians and they have to go back home. No. That's why you're saying no,
2: that. No, because when you go into any food establishment, in the window or on the door, they will have their hygiene rating. Now, the number of places that I've seen with three is ridiculous in Southall and around where we live. Right, so in Harrow as well. I think Harrow was the second worst,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, Harrow is actually second on the list uh, with 4.06, Northwest London, 4.07, East London, next 4.12. So the f- top four places are all areas of.
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of London. places with like three. If you go to somewhere that's three or below, you're taking your life into your own hands, yeah? Mm. In my opinion, this is again coming from a child of parents who had a chip shop. After they had the paper shop, they then had a chip shop. And we had a rating of four because we had a broken tile, right? We had oh. a broken floor tile. They gave us four. So if you got, we got fix that tile, we got five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? That's how stringent so it was. So if you got like a broken, you know, that like the leg of a table is slightly bent, do you get like a, tick off for the argument it's
2: where germs can start to live that's where they have problems you see so where germs can get in or if like rodents can get into your building whatever you have to make sure that your building is secure and that it's clean and that there's nothing where something can fester so with this broken tile i think it was near the door they said this could be a problem for blah 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 reasons right so then they fixed it mom and dad fixed it and they got five right right so you just need to keep it fucking clean which is really not that hard just clean it right Right, and you just need to make sure that there's no access for rodents, 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 rodents.
1: Yeah, <laughs> see, I, I remember I went to uh, Wembley once uh, with one of my one of my mates and stuff, and we went to one of these like you know small little indian like daba style uh kind of it was <laughs> it was like half it wasn't even a restaurant it was like i'd say half kind of cafe half grocery kind of shit <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so like you know you know everything That's fine
2: you know? like whole foods does that yeah okay. but what's
1: happening so we were having like one of these like you know, bombay sandwiches with like you know the potatoes mm-hmm. all the going so yummy and then like on the other side people were doing the groceries and this woman like put her hand in this like you know basket full of like must have been Dunya and stuff. And then a mouse just like <gasps> jumped out of there and just scurried across the, across the floor. I'm not going to name this establishment. Oh, my God. One of the reasons is it's probably not open yet anymore. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's shut down. Um, but, yeah, I was like, I'm not eating in this place again. That was obviously in Wembley, which is, which is uh, you know, Northwest London, third on the list. But it's quite, it's quite a damning article, to be honest. Um, you know, all our areas it, it in the whole a... of the, in the are you telling me in the whole of the UK the worst hygiene ratings are all in our areas? Okay, so seriously, Lond-
2: London's probably more likely to have rodent infestations just because London always has. Isn't there more people? Isn't there more mice in London than there is people? Well, you say
1: you never, you never, yeah. There's more, there's more, uh, yeah, in London, you never mm, six more rat. than six feet away from a mouse or and or a rat yeah or so like
2: that. that's probably part of the problem is the public health issue generally right yeah. and that doesn't ha- and then obviously when there's food establishments around and those bins are there then those there's gonna be loads more of those rats and mice and whatever yeah. right but i don't know is it a coincidence that the, un- the, the most unclean places are mm. all probably asian mm. or in asian areas like what is that about yeah this, what is that about us and what does it say about our food establishments
1: yeah what well, there's that i've seen num- a number of articles in the past and stuff from social media and they've shown they've shown some of the kitchens from some of the curry establishments oh across the uk and it is it is pretty horrific
2: see uh, in newcastle there's a paper called the evening chronicle and we used to check this thing every every year they would release the the results for Newcastle yeah. in there and we meet like a whole family would gather around the newspaper and like religiously read this just to find out where I was and yeah. it was always our favourite like kebab establishment yeah, and yeah, again yeah. they were run by you know like ethnics mm. they were run by Asians or people from Central Asia <laughs> whatever you want to call it right so like what is it? Why? Why is that the case? I ne- I've never understood it. I don't get it. But there are some establishments which, like my mum and dad, like they would keep their place sparkling. Yeah. So those shitty places give everyone a bad name when actually in amongst all that shit, there are some very good places with very good hygiene practices and yes. very good food. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because they all get hard with that same brush. So in Southall, there are lots of places that are good to eat and they are clean and I would want to eat at. But then you say the worst postcode for eating is Southall and it just puts people off.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's really bad bad for the,
2: it's bad for business in those areas where businesses struggle anyway to get people in because of competition or whatever. And also because Southall is, it's not exactly easy to get to. You know, no. It's like on the outskirts of London. So how many people would go there versus going to central London or going to some like, you know, going to Masala Zone or somewhere like that instead of going to get some want, authentic the Indian most, food? Well, that's the
1: thing. It's getting the most authentic Indian foods. And you're talking about those areas predominantly, especially in London. You know, Birmingham has got its own scene. Manchester's got its own scene. Yeah. But you go to London for Indian food. You have got to go to either East London or West London and some of the best establishments, they may not look that glamorous, they might just look like little recrees like that, you know, in the form of a restaurant, But they have some of the best cuisine because it's very authentic. Yeah,
2: and a lot of those places will be very clean as well. But you just don't feel like going into them because now you know that the place next door is really dirty and looks not that too... It doesn't look that dissimilar to this place. But they've got really bad practices and this place has got really good practices. Oh, just, you know what, fuck it, we're not going to go to any of it. Mm. And that's really bad for business. So, like i mean i just don't get it why i know we're known as being tight right all asians are known as being tight but how tight can it how can you be that tight when you could just get some supermarket own brand like anti-back spray (laughs) and just clean your fucking surfaces okay so what
1: if you found out your imagine your favorite restaurant in like west northwest london and you love the food there and then you find out afterwards that it had all these hygiene problems and shit uh, that behind the scenes... I wouldn't go back. Would you not go back? No. Even though the food was scrumptious.
2: No, I think I'd be really disappointed in that. I was taking my life into my own hands every time I ate there. It would be really, like, it would be really sad for me. Mm. Actually, I did have a look. Do you remember that pizza place that I really like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a look and they've got three. And I was like, right, I'm not ordering from there yeah, again. Yeah,
1: you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: I'm not going to do that. Mm. doesn't but, matter if the food is good. If it's, the food is not kept to its best quality, yeah. why am I paying good money for it? Mm. what am I paying you for? Because they definitely aren't paying their staff that much. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's so what are you side. paying
2: for? What, what am I paying for? For you to buy you a Mercedes? No, fuck off. You should be cleaning your restaurant first and then you earn that Mercedes. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. That's very true. There needs to be like a, a collective, like there needs to be a separate series for Gordon Ramsay. You know, to go around like most of West London and go through these restaurants. Yeah, or just like
2: any of those establishments anywhere across the country, they all need to sort themselves out. And if you're Asian and you're doing this, you're given us all a bad fucking name and stop it.
1: Exactly. Let's be predominant. This show is based for our community. Our community needs to do more, especially in our practices. You know, we've we've had Indian restaurants and Asian restaurants. I mean, such a staple of UK culture. The The least we should do is to at least keep them immaculate and to provide a good hygiene rating uh, for anywhere across the UK. Especially though in Southall.
2: I rented a flat years ago and we got cockroaches, right? And me and my flatmate didn't even want to eat in our own kitchen, Mm. right? So now imagine that I've paid and eventually obviously we got it sorted out and they've gone but we would keep that place spotless and we still had these cockroaches sometimes these things happen and you can't help it yeah right because like i said public health issues you can't control them so you can do whatever you can within your establishment but if something's coming on in from outside it, these things happen right but you have to try and solve the problem yeah and and that if i didn't even feel like eating in my own kitchen why am i going to pay someone else to eat from their kitchen and then potentially get poisoned from there because i don't know if they're trying their best to keep it clean or if and they just got a problem that they can't deal with like they can't help or if they're actually just not cleaning imagine what these people's houses are i bet their houses aren't this dirty
1: yeah that's true very very true
2: so why would you why would you do that in your in your workplace why would you do that in the place that you own or that you work in that's not having a pride in what you do at all and why why do you sell food then
1: yeah yeah
2: just go and do something else if you hate people that much you hate your customers that much go and do something else
1: <laughs> yes indeed southall please sort it out fam
2: sorry it was just just really annoys me such a disrespect for your customers having grown up within retail and having worked in shops and stuff it's yes. just having no respect for your customers and it just makes me really sick
1: all right calm the fuck down Judger b because on the second half of this show <laughs> We're going to be going back to a serious topic of agenda, which is alcohol abuse within the British Asian community. So you're on the other side, people. second half of the Native Immigrants podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And first of all, I, Swami Barakas, mm-hmm. your co-host and husband, was on the BBC Asian Network again recently. Oh really? Yes. Rivaled, rivaled, rivaled. Yeah, <laughs> rivals indeed. Shout chat to all Ruckus Avenue peoples. Um, but I was not there as rapper and podcast host. I was there as a father As daddy Yeah because this is now what, This is what I've fucking become isn't it I've gone from like You know young Conscious Like aggressive rapper And I'm now like Old oh, dad
2: We don't have identities anymore We're just Mum and dad
1: We're just parents isn't it
2: so We it's... don't even refer to each other as like By our names anymore No We're just like
1: Mum and dad
2: Yeah because And he will start saying those words That's the hope
1: that, yeah, well, that's that's the hope. Of the just any words would be great right now, do you know what
2: I mean? But, he said his own name the other day.
1: Yeah, we're trying to get him to say his name. But um, but anyway, I was on there as part of a dad's panel on the BBC Asian Network's Big Debate Show. Huh. And yeah, giving some tips on being a, a first-time dad and talking about the whole work-life balance um, and just the, the, how what the experience has been like.
2: Maybe we should do a daddy show.
1: We, we just get, get a bunch of
2: dads, and you lot just chat about how hard it is to be a dad. Because yeah, you know what, it, it can be quite difficult to be a dad.
1: It, it mate, it's fucking the hardest. Like I've done like gigs, I've done released projects, I've released albums, I've done work projects and deadlines and all this shit. Like nothing compares to being being a father, honestly.
2: Okay, so let's try. Let's discuss this off air. Yes. We should try and find uh, friends of the show,
1: daddies. Yeah, if you're a, f- a listener of the show and also a father, we'd love to hear from you and get you to share some of your experiences of what it's been like being a father.
2: What topics do you think need to be talked about that aren't talked about, and we'll try and tackle those? Yes, with um yourself. Yes, and maybe a couple of other daddies, a bunch yeah, of daddies. Indeed,
1: exactly, because you know there not enough. You know, it's it is very much a community where the mums are the you Know for especially for our children and stuff, mom seems to be the most important person in their life for the first few years of and their And you know life. what?
2: In some families, there isn't a mum for whatever reason, yeah. You know, and so the dads get looked overlooked sometimes, uh, um, or are sidelined. And we need to bring them to the forefront, yeah, especially within our community,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: One parent families, or whatever, with or just families where the dad takes a bigger role, yes. Um, we need to. Have a chit chat.
1: Yes, highlight and champion those people. Yeah. Um, but I'll be back on Asian Network again. Seriously, it's like a second When are they going to pay you? They, man's need to pay me than that.
2: <laughs> we got bills to pay.
1: Exactly. Um, but I'll be on Mo Bean's show talking about uh, newspaper reviews, uh, things that are happening and current affairs. When's um, that? That'll be... Uh, Well, by the time this show goes out, I will have already been on there. So listen back to me on the BBC Sounds app and see what I've got to say. But on this half of the show, we're going to be tackling a much more serious subject. uh, One that's unfortunately very prevalent with our community, but also one that we did speak about last year on episode four of the Native Immigrants podcast, and that is alcohol abuse within the Asian community.
2: Last year we spoke about, um, there was an article in the BBC yes. about drinking within the Punjabi community. Yes. Um, obviously, it's a bigger problem anyway, like amongst other communities, other South Asian communities. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a problem around the UK amongst all communities. Mm. Um and so, yeah, it's going to be Alcohol Awareness Week next week.
1: Yes, the so when, 11th to the 17th yep, of November. That,
2: that's it. Um, and it's coordinated by Alcohol Change UK. Mm-hmm. And their aim is to just get the UK thinking about drinking and about people's own personal consumption and understanding how much they're drinking. Um, because I think sometimes you don't really think about how much you're having. You just It's only when you start Really, kind of answering people's questions when they say, "How much do you drink?" When you go to the doctor and they ask you how many units and stuff you yeah, drink, yeah. then you start to think about actually, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Or maybe, uh, maybe you feel proud of yourself—you're not drinking that much at all. Um, but also, just the health impacts of alcohol as well. Understanding what you know—mild, moderate, and heavy drinking—how it can impact on your health.
0: Yeah.
2: If you want to, kind of ask yourself those questions, test yourself your knowledge of around drinking. They have a quiz. On, um, on their website, which is alcoholchange.org.uk, mm-hmm. so you can test your knowledge.
1: Well, we actually took the test, or I asked you the questions of the test to find out yeah. how at risk you are. Um, and your score was three, which is lower risk. And it's drinking at this level means that you are unlikely to be putting yourself at risk of alcohol-related harm. Is that out of ten? Yes. Okay. So. so now,
2: so those questions were really interesting. I really recommend that everyone does this test because yeah. it really made me think about how much I was drinking. But also, it also made me realize that I answered the way that I did and came out as low risk because I'm now a mom hmm. and because I have had to reduce the amount that I'm drinking to be able to look after him just so I'm like able to look after him because I found that if I was drinking, like if I had like one or two glasses of, w- drink, of wine the night yeah. before, the next morning I was battered and I couldn't really do what yeah yeah. i couldn't really do what i needed to do well enough so now if i have a drink it's when you're looking after it the next morning and i get a bit of a lie in and so it's okay but um if you'd asked me those questions just before i got pregnant i probably would have answered differently and i might have come out moderate probably Mm. but if you'd asked me those questions 10 years ago i was like i mean i wasn't like an alcoholic but I was binge drinking for definite. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot and I probably would have come out as high risk. Yeah. So whatever age you're at that you're and wherever you're at in terms of your life and what's going on in your life, I think it's always good to kind of step back and assess what's going on and in terms of drinking, this is a very good t- quiz just to kind of get you thinking about how much you're drinking and actually like a unit of like say one glass of wine mm-hmm. isn't one unit of alcohol it's two units of
0: alcohol absolutely
2: so do you know how many units you're drinking when the doctor asks you when you go for like a random blood test or whatever yeah do you actually know how much you're drinking because i didn't i didn't know that until i did the test until i did this quiz i didn't realize that one glass of wine was two units
1: yeah and i think the other thing with a test like this is you might not actually realize how much you're consuming and and whether it's like Is a safe amount as well at the same time because you could be consuming say like i I know a lot of people that have you know once they've come back home from work sometimes just casually having a couple of drinks a night
2: yeah like we know couples that'll just have like a bottle of wine after work yeah now if you're doing that like twice a week or three times a week fuck it, it's like nearly the weekend or it is the weekend or whatever Mm. that really adds up
1: yeah and without you even realizing it and so um a test like this could give you a better understanding of where you're at, basically. Um, you know, it's the same thing as like having too much sugar or having too much you know, fatty foods. You know, you'd think it's absolutely fine, it's normal, it's fine, I'll, I'll work it off the next day or something like that. But the more you consume, the bigger the toll it takes in your body.
2: Yeah, it does damage. Like we know that drinking damages your liver. We know that sugar affects your body in lots and lots of different ways. Like we know that we shouldn't be doing this stuff, but we still do it. Yeah. I think with alcohol sometimes it's harder because once you had a couple of drinks, you're a bit less aware of what you're
0: doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so
2: having another couple of drinks, you don't really think about it, mm. and you probably won't think about it the next day that you had those extra couple of drinks either. Yeah. So, it's definitely something that we all need to watch if you if you consume alcohol then it's probably a good idea to assess how much you're consuming every so often
1: yeah so if we bring it back now our community the british asian community Mm -hmm. um and alcohol abuse now obviously we did speak about this uh, at, at length on our last show last year yeah um and so now with alcohol awareness week coming up has there been any advancements has there been any further articles or
2: i was looking for information stats and stuff because we always like to give stats out and try and back up what we're saying with statistics mm. um there is no study that i could find that has been done since 2009 when the british british medical journal did um a study into the south drinking within the south asian community in britain Hmm. there's nothing since then that I can find. I looked on the ONS, so the Office for National Statistics, I looked on their website and they have general kind of alcohol consumption stats and they do break it down by ethnicity, but the the numbers of Asian households that they've looked at is quite small in their overall sample because their sample represents the whole country. So right. you, they do it, so it's representative of each community. Now, I think it's 7% of the the total population is asian in this country
0: yeah
2: so when you look at how what that would be in their sample size is probably quite a small number of of households and which means that they can't make kind of generalizing statistics they can't make generalizing comments or um kind of have any kind of real 100 percent findings
1: yeah. i suppose
2: um so based are, 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 on their small sample size so it, what they did find was that men are more affected by heavy drinking
1: hmm.
2: within asian communities versus women
1: right but is is that do you feel like our communities are not as reciprocal on on these kind of like you know finding information about alcoholism within the community so i think it's
2: a it's a it's a again still a very taboo subject people don't want to talk about addiction within their households or within their families or you know within the community in general no one wants to address addiction whether that be alcohol or drug abuse or any other kind of addiction that people have yeah It, it doesn't it's not something that we openly talk about
0: Mm, because people true. still
2: think of it as something to be ashamed of they still think of it as something or what will people say you know um oh if he you know if our child he or she gets married then that will sort them and that'll sort them out and their partner can fix them yeah, that's exactly. an attitude that's still quite prevalent and i've seen that happen i've seen that happen to people that i know that they were married off to people with drug uh, drug addictions or alcohol addiction and they have then been stuck
1: mm. in this
2: marriage that you can't you can't fix an addict unless they want to fix themselves yeah and if you're a person who doesn't even know that person that well through arranged marriage or whatever yeah how are you going to help that person it's very difficult it's really
1: sad that sometimes the partner a lot of the time also gets blamed for not being that person to fix uh, the sufferer's problem and this
2: person has probably already had problems and issues that have driven them to alcohol or drug abuse yeah from a long time ago that had nothing to do with their partner. Yeah. And their partner is then having to deal with the backlash of that and having to deal with living in that environment. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's a side issue, but I think that this is the kind of attitude that still runs yeah in families and within communities and then i think that we need to stop that and talk about it more and i think there are charities out there and organizations out there that are trying to have this conversation and trying to bring it out into the open and trying to say look yes you might have an addiction but you can get over it and things can be resolved um addiction is is a disease and you can kind of take control of that by trying to fix the disease by trying to Get on top of everything and trying to sort out all the issues that are going on in your life that are around that addiction that can happen that caused it and that are then kind of happening because of because that. Because of that, yeah. As well, so there's help out there if you need it and if you want it, whether it's for yourself or for people that that you know.
1: Yeah. Well, this is um. It brings me onto uh, an email that I got from a long time listener of the show, Nick Nick Hans, who have known for a long time. But he's actually a volunteer also for Nishkam Swat, okay. who we also spoke about on our show last year yeah. with charity work. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously a big organization. We talked about them at length. So listen back to our show from last year where we addressed uh, them and all the amazing charity work that they've done, uh, especially for the homeless community and for the elderly community. Yeah. But they've also um, originated um, a project called Project Recovery, uh, and it was, it was coined by one of the volunteers at SWAT themselves. Um, and he'd unfortunately lost a close friend to alcohol abuse. This gentleman was only 34 years old. Wow. And he left behind a wife and a young son. Um, um. But obviously this this is a problem that's has been happening throughout the entire UK, especially within our communities. And so I guess it was a way for them to really tackle the issue within our communities head on. But you know, being a support network for those people because there isn't that many other charities doing the same thing, especially Mm. for our communities. Yeah. So their mission statement is to provide support and guidance to anyone who is suffering or impacted by alcohol or drug misuse and encourage them to begin a life of recovery or find solace from our network of support. Okay. Now they're basically a group of volunteers. Um, and I think the, the really important thing is that they're very community specific. So like you we were talking about just now, about the fact that our communities aren't as reciprocal with studies and surveys trying to find out what's been happening within our community with alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little bit more standoffish with those kind of things. So with Project Recovery, there's an understanding of the language, there's an understanding of the culture. And it's important because it enables a much more comfortable process for those that are suffering in order to open up and speak more about what the issues are and how they can actually tackle it.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really important that there are specific cultural issues within our communities that on a kind of general basis might not be understood. And so if you have to explain your cultural stuff yeah. when you are going to for therapy or whatever, kind of getting some treatment for your addiction, yeah. that that then can set you back because it's kind of like, you're having to explain everything, everything all exactly. your everything that you're about. Whereas there's some stuff that you, I guess with organisations like this, it kind of goes unsaid because they understand what your cultural background is. Exactly, yeah.
1: you know. Um, and so it's it, like I said, it's extremely important for our community. Um, but you know, the one great thing also about Project Recovery is it's not just for the sufferers, um, but they also help out those that are impacted by sufferers. So families and loved ones, you know, people that are closest to them that are that are suffering just as much being, you know, in the midst of someone that's, you know, going through an issue with alcohol abuse. It's hard to see your loved ones. Absolutely.
2: Hurting themselves in that way.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, and like I said, we're not no one's trained to be able to deal with this kind of stuff. No, not at you all. know, you're just thrown in the deep end and expect expected to sink or swim. Yeah. And so um, what Project Recovery does is it also has a great support network for the families. The people that are having to support those going through it, there's a support network for those people specifically. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, They've got a helpline number, which is 0300-365-1313. And the operational hours are between 6 and 10 uh, in the evenings, Monday to Sunday. And what they do is they assess the situation with the sufferer themselves and then explain the different services that are available. And so that could be through the NHS or that could be through uh, private clinics. Um, They'll look at the situation on a case-by-case basis and then decide what's the best way to go forward accordingly. Um, They also hold fortnightly support meetings on Wednesday at 7.30 and they're held at Nishkam Swat's headquarters, which is in Springfield Road in Hayes. But they also do face-to-face um, with the families and the Family Support Network, which is available in Berkshire and the Southall area. So okay. they get a chance to sit down and interact and you know, get a, a real good gist of exactly what's happening, the problems that's happening within the sufferer themselves, and what they can do and how they can help through their process as well. The one great thing that I read um, from this email is that every volunteer in Project Recovery has either been affected by someone else's addiction or have previously been addicted to alcohol and drugs themselves and are on their own recovery journey. So in a way, I feel like them helping other people through this process is almost a mutually beneficial process.
2: And also a reminder that there is a way out. And and also that it, it's the way that's worded, is that it's a recovery process that's ongoing.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know,
2: you that once this process starts it will continue but it will get easier yeah and and i think that's it's it's so good to see that those people that have been there at the worst of it are now coming out of that worst of it and are able to help other people yeah and i think that shows that actually recovery can do amazing things and you are able to get out of it there is you know there is light at the end of the tunnel
1: yeah and i guess like i said it's it's almost therapeutic as as well as all well, the same yeah. as well at the same time yeah, yeah, yeah. because you're you know not only are you dealing with that process yourself being able to talk to someone else that's going through a similar experience to yours um can also help to get a lot of that stuff off your chest
2: and also to to use your previous experience to then try and help someone else out of that experience out of that similar experience or yeah. Trying to prevent that from happening yeah. is an amazing thing to do. To say, look, some bad things happened to me and I went through a really hard time. I want to help you out of your hard time or I want to stop you from getting into that situation and make sure that you don't have to go through the same things that I went through. Yeah, I think that's a very noble thing to do for someone who is on their own recovery journey. Journey
1: Exactly. Um, but they are constantly looking for more volunteers um, and that could be helping with the helpline itself, uh, f- helping with the family support, um, or to help in the recovery process for sufferers themselves. So if anyone is interested, please contact recovery at nishkamswat, as N-I-S-H-K-A-M-S-W-A-T dot org, or they can call the helpline. And that number again is 300 three six five one three one three
2: and if you want to find out more about um alcohol and how it can affect your body and how you know you want to do the quiz or if you just want to learn more then go to alcoholchange.org.uk and also there's lots of information on the nhs website as well
1: yeah it's uh, unfortunately it is a real prevalent problem within our community and uh, like i said it's great to see there's organizations such as project recovery in nishkam swat that's able to help our community specifically about these things but we also need to do more ourselves you know within our families like we we spoke last year about this and that i think everyone that listens to this show knows someone or has been affected by someone that not necessarily feel like they're abusing alcohol, but you know, sometimes taking things a little bit over the edge. Drinking to
2: uh, excess. Drinking to an excess and And on a regular basis. Yeah. So it's not the odd like I went out and got drunk kind of situation. It's when it's not the odd time, it's pretty much every time.
1: Yeah. i you know, we we spoke about our experiences of I've you know, like I've been involved in the music industry and and being around so many like parties and events and launches and like I I've seen alcohol spilled like excessively over all that time. Um, but these things do, you know, they escalate. They things escalate very, very quickly. Very
2: easily. Like I, like I said, like 10 years ago, if you spoke to me, I was a different person. And I, I was having a hard time with very many different things. You know, there's lots of stuff that happens in your mid-20s that's hard for everyone. Yeah. But there was other stuff going on as well, with family things and all that kind of stuff. And I also worked in an industry where you went out a lot and you drank a lot. Yeah. And I got to, a po- and I at first I had kind of avoided those things. It wasn't really my scene. And then I got into it. I started yeah. drinking because like I said, on our previous show about alcohol, I got to a point where I didn't enjoy going out anymore. So to make it more fun, I started drinking.
0: Yeah.
2: And, but I got to a point where I was drinking a lot on a yeah. very regular basis. And I recognized within me that this is too much now. Like I'm getting, I was getting used to it. Yeah. And I was craving it. And that scared me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And so
2: I just, there was one of those months where you just go dry. Like dry January is coming up. Yes. So I did that. I did, I can't remember if it was January or another month where I just went sober and I was like, I'm not going to drink. But sometimes you don't recognize it within yourself. Yes. Sometimes you don't get to that point where you see something and it scares you. Or you do and you continue because you want to numb something. You want to numb some pain. Yeah. And Yes, I was in a lot of personal pain at that moment for various reasons. But I recognized it and I stopped. And I had some very good friends around me that were just like, "Come on, you need to like sort yourself out. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, this is yeah. not this is not the person that we know." But if you don't have that, like my family members never re- recognized any of this; they didn't know anything. It was very easy for me to hide it because I lived far from them. My yeah. family didn't recognize it, but my friends did. Yeah. And if you don't have that kind of support network around, you don't have those friends, or you have the kind of friends that are also doing that and they're encouraging it
0: yeah yeah then
2: it can be hard to get out of that situation but if you feel like you are somewhere around that point and you do want to stop or if you feel like you've already got past that point and it's too much for you now or if you see your person that you love is in that situation but you don't know how to help them then these kind of organizations can be very very helpful in terms of just pointing you in the right direction of what to do and how to get it done properly
1: yeah or, or just giving you an understanding and realization that you are heading in the wrong direction as well at the same time yeah you know we've seen and it's and it's across the the worst thing with this is especially with our communities is it's across all the generations. You know, like a lot of the things that we speak about with the taboos and, and the unfortunate stereotypes within all our communities, is a lot of it is connected to the older generation. But, you know, this story and how Project Recovery initiated itself was from a 34-year-old, someone that's younger than me, yeah. you know, that that passed away because of alcohol abuse, you know, and left the family behind. Now, And
2: alcoholism can and does run in families yeah. a lot of the time and i don't think it's because it's genetic i'm not sure i don't know the science behind it but i think a lot of it's just environmental factors if you come from a family where it's happened a lot of the time or some of the time it can happen to you too mm. you come from an environment obviously where there's been hard times and so you then use that as your crutch when you have hard times
1: see how how just, much of it is a how much of it is a cultural thing though drinking
2: well, within, I mean, we spoke about this last time as well, but Bhangra music obviously will, t- talks about it a lot. yeah. And drinking and having a good time. And being Punjabi, a lot of the good time is based around getting drunk and being able to, and, you know, the thing is, it's like, oh, Punjabis can hold their drink and all that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. That comes from our culture. That comes from the Punjabi culture. Mm-hmm. That doesn't come from any religious background. That comes from a Punjabi culture. Yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, there's a lot of different, states of india that you know they can handle their drink you know and all that kind of stuff and it's just it's just kind of it feels like macho nonsense Mm. and i think that needs to stop your you know your what's the right word machismo machismo is not based around how much of a man you are how much of a person you are is doesn't come from or how fun you are in fact doesn't come from how much drink you can hold and i think that's something that needs to change is that yeah. attitude of, of you're having a good time you need to have a bottle of whiskey absolutely yeah and that still is prevalent that still is a thing and it's not necessarily something that
1: we should be proud of and i feel like that that is something that has been passed down over generations unfortunately um you know from having that level of not bravado i guess or machismo or whatever it is but having that the spurning people on to drink as a means of like a competition and the sporting yeah. aspect of basically you know drinking and i think that's passed down from our older generation onto uh, our generation and it's now leaking through into our next generation now as well the the next generation are in the 18 19 20 year old age groups and stuff and people are starting with that same thought process well
2: i see now there's some hope with that generation because there's lots and lots of stuff out in the media at the moment about how gen z yeah are actually drinking way less
1: yeah that's true
2: actually when i was googling it there was some really scary stuff about like from uh marketing kind of uh, organizations and stuff and branding organizations about how drinking companies can target that age group because they're drinking less and their drinking sales have gone down amongst that young age group wow. which I found very very scary. Yeah. But again that's another side issue as to how we're targeted by the by brands to encourage us to drink. Yeah. But Gen Z are drinking less yeah. because they're going out less.
1: Yeah, yeah. If they
2: are a generation that have grown up in austerity so we've had 10 years of austerity so those kids have grown up with you know, money being tight and things not being affordable. Yeah. And so for young people I mean, when did we have money when we were kids? We didn't, you know. Yeah. Unless you're getting an allowance or unless you've got some kind of Saturday job. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Where the fuck does your exactly. money come from? So but it so when we were kids People did have Saturday jobs yeah. and they did then go and spend their money on white lightning and go and drink it in the park. Whereas this generation don't want to do that. Mm. They're like, we know there isn't enough money to go around. If I do have a Saturday job, I'm not going to waste it and drink cheap cider in the park. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to have a good time. I want to buy some video games for myself. Yeah. I'm going to stay in and have a good time with my friends that way. Yeah. If they are drinking, then they are staying in and drinking. Mm. And so that kind of idea of pre-drinks is not a pre-drinks thing anymore. You need to have drink at home before you went out. Yeah, We did that a lot as students that doesn't happen now yeah they just stay in they don't go out because they find bo- going out boring and repetitive and rubbish yeah and they're yeah, not yeah. into it you know and so like that whole clubbing kind of scene yeah, is not it's, big it's amongst them down, yeah. it's not that it's not happening it's just it's not as popular as it used to be so it's not every weekend they might go out once a month instead yeah. so they're staying in so if they're having drinks they're staying in and, and then that means that automatically you drink more responsibly because you don't want to wreck the stuff that's in your house yeah. you go to the pub or a club if you knock some a drink over it doesn't matter someone else is going to clean it up it's not your furniture that's yeah. damaged at home if you do that then it's your shit that gets damaged and it's your shit that smells so they don't want to do that so they're just a more responsible generation in that sense mm. and technology's played a part in that as well so they've got access to all this information much easier than we had yeah it's not that we didn't know that information but it's easier for us to ignore back then I yes. think whereas this generation have it they have it rammed down their throats at school as well with their health education that they get and then at home on the internet there's lots of stuff about their favorite celebrities who are going into rehab and how they're having to you know and it used to be in the newspapers you'd read it once or in a magazine you'd read it once and put it away and not look at it this is constant on social media they'll get all this information all the time and so it has kind of seeped into their brains obviously to make them slightly more responsible and less and that whole lifestyle is less attractive to them yeah they haven't had those 90s icons that we had they haven't had liam gallagher and kate moss and those kind of people so they're just it's that that whole generation is just looking like it's painted as being boring mm. but actually they're just looking after themselves
0: well, and
2: that's something that we should very be very proud of with that generation that they're more likely to just be responsible and spend their money on stuff that they want to spend it on yeah. or doing things that they want to do rather than drinking to keep up with their friends just, yeah throwing just away their cool. into, it's yeah. not cool anymore
1: No, I think that's yeah. That's that's another big thing. I think like the things that I've seen less and less people smoking now. I'm seeing less and less people drinking heavily now. So maybe things are moving a little bit more a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, And so hopefully some of that stuff filters through to our communities as well. You know, Um, you know, we want to see less and less of these stories of people passing away at young ages from alcohol abuse. um, And you know, and if, if it can only really happen um, if we see things amongst our loved ones, the people that we're close to, to ensure that, you know, the this kind of stuff doesn't carry on. But also with the help of organizations such as Project Recovery, who are there to be in a, a support network and give the right advice and the, the tools of what you need to help you uh, overcome this. It's an illness, you know? This is a, a massive illness within our community. And so... You know, whether it's yourself or your loved ones being affected, there are people out there that will give you help and support. You know, you just have to go out and reach out to them, and you know, you'll see a much more prospective future thereafter.
2: A brighter future.
1: Yeah. Um, so that is the end of this episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Um, we'll end by giving that helpline number again for Project Recovery which is 0300 365 1313. So do get in touch if you feel... You need the help. Yes, indeed. So from Swami Barakas... And Jojo B. We're signing off this week and we'll see you all again in a couple of weeks, people. Peace. See you.